With masks over their mouths, John and Mark waited outside their favorite restaurant. It was the peak of the summer, and there was no shade to hide under. I know I'm not supposed to, said Mark, as he wiped the sweat off his brow, but I'm fighting the urge to take off this bloody mask. Oh, come now, retorted John. It hasn't been that long. Just a few more minutes. I know, I know, said Mark, but we still have to do the test and wait for the result. I'm starving. John chuckled. Yeah, I'm hungry too, but it shouldn't be long now. There was silence for a moment, as they waited a bit longer. Behind them, the queue of people in masks slowly grew longer, and ahead of them, people were being ushered into side rooms where they would shove Q-tips up their noses, struggle not to sneeze, and do a one-minute science project on their lap as a way of proving they were not infected with the virus. Mark sighed. The world has really gone up in flames, hasn't it? John gave him a look. Oh, it's not that bad. Have you never listened to Billy Joel? We didn't start the fire, friend. We might have not, said Mark, but surely you can smell the smoke. He pointed ahead. We used to come here every other week, walk in and just ask for a table. Now we gotta wait an hour in the sun, sweat through our masks, and pray that our tests aren't mysteriously positive. Besides, we're the lucky ones. We're not on hospital beds trying to get a good lungful of air. We're not the ones who've lost people in this pan- This pandemic. Mark stopped before jumping further into his spiral. I'm sorry, he said. It's just, suddenly, seeing all this, it's depressing. John took a moment, not wanting to make light of the situation. Look, I understand, he said to his friend. But for what it's worth, it isn't all that bad. The world has gone through this before, and so has humanity. We survived, we learned, and we grew. The important thing to remember is that we, as people, are more open to positive change when we are faced with bad things like this. It might not seem like it, but amongst all the bad, there is good happening in the world. It's just a matter of finding out what that is. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Book of Ramblings. My name is João and I'm here with my two good friends, Ugu and Philip. Hey guys. Hello. Okay, so very quickly, we're gonna, you're gonna start uh, noticing a, a little bit of a change in our format, but the content is still going to be the same, we're just trying out a few things. That is all. We're going to be talking about pandemics today. Specifically, we're going to be discussing COVID-19, because it's, it's the current mess that is happening around the world, but we are also going to be discussing other pandemics and how the world was affected by them, and most interesting to me, at least, is how similar they, these previous pandemics were to this one. But before we get into that, how are you guys doing? I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, honestly, this topic was something that would have shook me a while back if we discussed it earlier. So that's a thing. But I think it's fine now. And uh, I'm very... We are post-exam season, right? So... Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Tired. Yeah, so we're kind of tired. But it's fine. We're fine, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, it's an interesting topic, especially around this time. In the, at least, Western world, things are coming to an end, at least 
if vaccination continues to go well. So it's important. I think it's an interesting thing to discuss how it all went. And I find some interesting stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. If you read the the episode title, we're going to be discussing our opinions, right? Because the the world seems to be on fire, and it, we don't really agree with that idea. So that's essentially what we'll be talking about. But right now, I'm going to pass the ball to you, Philip. Take it away. Yeah, let's... Hey, take it away. That seemed like a newscast. Oh, that's worse. Yeah, it seems like I'm uh, professional <laughs> or something. Yeah, which I'm not. I'm professional. Now I'm, I should pass it up to Hugo, then he pass it up to you, and that's... This isn't a ball yes. game. Hugo <laughs> <laughs> has the weather, and then he passes it back to me. So... Team effort. I think it's important to, to start a bit with the definition, and, and this is something I can talk about. It was an interesting thing for us, where we... We tried to find out how the World Health Organization defined a uh, pandemic and what characteristics <laughs> they use or criteria they use to declare a pandemic. I'm from- sorry to interrupt. That was a good I am joke. Very, I am very glad you did. No, it wasn't. It was, it was a good a horrible joke. joke. It right. was a horrible joke. Proceed. Proceed, please. <laughs> I didn't even listen to it. Cut the- Jesus. Uh, so... Uh, as I was saying, so we were tr- interested to know how the World Health Organization defines pandemic and what criteria it uses to, to declare one. But when we went in search for it, we found out that there's not really um, a clear definition and criteria. The World Health Organization, if they use criteria, it's for themselves only. Uh, they're not published. It's something that already happened in 2009 with um, the influenza pandemic. So it's not very clear how they define a pandemic. We all understand the definition of a, what a pandemic is. It's a, it's a, it's a, a widespread disease that uh, influences most of the world, if not all. Uh, but uh, how the WHO defines it and how they decide that it's a pandemic or not. Uh, for example, uh, the influenza outbreak in 2009 was declared as a pandemic, but the outbreaks of Ebola were not. So it's not very clear, at least from what we found. Maybe there's a, there's something better out there that we didn't find. That's not very clear how they define this. So I want to I want to interject yeah. here. I think I think the the pandemic is just the panic button they press when they think oh this is going overboard in the Western civilization. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, that, then they press the pandemic button. No, that's interesting. You said the Western civilization because when there's a pandemic and uh, how how to say this, uh, third world countries, they yeah. don't really care, do they? They don't. That, that's that's why they they specific. Uh, that's why I specifically said Western. Western. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. It's a Western organization that uh, decides it's a pandemic when the Western world is at danger. At least that's how we see it. But so that we can better understand this, let's look at a bit of a historical context so that the word pandemic starts to have a little more meaning to us beyond COVID. So uh, I believe Juan has a lot of stuff about this. Yeah, probably a bit too much. I'll, I'll try to be a bit concise. But the the point we're trying to make here is that maybe to in different scales, but the world has gone through other pandemics, obviously. And the um, the interesting thing is that 
no matter the age, people essentially reacted the same way that we've been reacting this pandemic? Obviously, not a carbon copy, there, there's such a thing as nuance to humanity, but it's, it's interesting to give us perspective, right? So, the most interesting pandemic to talk about in this situation would be the Spanish flu, or the influenza virus in the 1920s, because it was a monumental thing. It literally changed the course of the war, First World War, back in the day, and without it, we would be living in a very different world, because it affected a lot of people, right? It if... For example, Mahatma Gandhi was infected with, with influenza, bef and this was before the revolution of India. And if for some reason he would have died, India could have been a completely different country. Same thing in, in Russia, because the man who was supposed to take Lenin's place died from influenza, which essentially paved the way for Stalin. Obviously, this is a bit more complicated, it's, I'm being very simplistic, but the, the point is, the influenza pandemic changed the world. And the, the funny thing is, to this day, one, we're not sure how it started, two, we're not really sure how many people died, and how much, from an economical standpoint, how much it affected the world. So it's a study that it's still being conducted today. And this is where the... Um, the first parallel starts with the COVID-19. One theory uh, related to the, to the beginning of the pandemic places a disease that is similar to, to the influenza virus coming from military recruits coming from China. I think you see the, par the parallel here. It's one theory, right? But it says essentially the, the, that there was a presence of the influenza virus in, in China there were uh, some military recruits sent to Canada. Uh, they, w they weren't fighters, they weren't soldiers, they were just manual labor because of a political uh, maneuver so that China could partake in the, in the discussions after the, the war. But it's one thing, right? We're talking about recruits being shipped to Canada, generally in secret because there was a anti-China discourse at the time and that's one of the one of the theories where the, the virus came from there are others but you know i i found this theory interesting because there's a pa parallel with the covid19 this was around 1917 so the first reported incident was around 1918 so it could and could not be influenza doesn't really matter because the point is at, at a, a given point people who started started to get quarantined but because people affected by influenza start showing symptoms far later, and even when they're not showing symptoms, they're still infectious. So what happened was, people with, with symptoms were getting quarantined, and those who weren't were being shipped off to France, and we're talking soldiers, and manual labor, and doctors, and suddenly, France got an influx of people who were infected from Canada and in, in, in the United States. So, also, there's a parallel here, right? People who, who were in China during the first outbreak who didn't have any symptoms but were carriers of the virus suddenly came to the rest of the world and that's how it spread. Because influenza was the first virus who used humanity's arteries, right? The, our trade lines, our 
ships, our trains, to spread out throughout the world. And much like COVID, that's what happened. So, again, right from the beginning, a lot of similarities. If you guys have anything to add. No, uh, I, I would just like to say, first, it's, it's, that's one of the reasons why it's such an inter interesting comparison, is uh, exactly what, what you just said. Uh, the beginning of the First World War, is, the world is, uh, has already been uh, globalized a little bit with all the empires, European empires that exist at the time. So the world is already highly globalized. Those, these empires depend a lot in their colonies to survive. So there's constant trade, constant influx uh, of people from different countries around the world. Which is exactly what's happening now. We're living in a much more globalized world, of course, with new technologies, everything else. But it's, it's, I believe it's why it's so comparable in comparison with other outbreaks of disease, like the plagues. It's the difference that from this point on, the world is so connected that the disease shows in one place and in a few weeks, months, it's everywhere else. So I believe that's that's a, an important point that you were stressing that I believe it's interesting interesting because it's the biggest similarity in my opinion or the biggest connection point. You could actually track the spread of the disease, the virus, in a map by you know mapping the the occurrences in different cities. You could see the, the virus traveling through train or through sea routes. It's, it's you know frightening from a human perspective because. We're the ones allowing it to happen, right? Yeah. But, mind you, at the time, a virus wasn't really well understood. Uh, modern medicine was starting to understand viruses, but they didn't have the ability to, you know, fight them properly and understand them properly. But it was the beginning. And because of this pandemic, modern science suddenly took a big leap to, in, in fighting pandemics. And the things that were, you know, developed then and discovered then are still used today. Uh, but for example, let's say another theory of, of how it began. Considered an, an, an overcrowded military base, right? So this is during the First World War. So there's soldiers coming in and out, being rotated from different places. Soldiers, doctors. And for some reason there's there's a case of the influenza virus there and when a, a soldier is sent off to to friends or a soldier who's in training goes goes home to see their family before they're shipped off suddenly the virus is being shipped everywhere and this concentration camp essentially becomes a viral highway and the closest thing i could come up with is airports right there's a big similarity here because a airport is a, a, a a place with a lot of traffic, traffic of people, I guess. There's a lot of people moving through there. There's a highly de high density of people there. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You just said traffic of people. I you know, know like I know. Traffic. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Listen, okay. I made a mistake. I recognized it. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on from human trafficking. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, at the time, true. there was such a man called, let me check my notes, Dr. William H. Welch. In, important man in, in, in medi American medical science. 
who had detected an outbreak of an epidemic. He was fighting it. He, he, he was a founder, I think. Yeah, a founder of the Rockefeller Institute, who was during the war affiliated with the military. And he was fighting. Uh, Dr. William H. Welch was fighting an outbreak and was winning. Right? So the numbers were diminishing. The problem here is, and this is interesting, he wasn't fighting influenza. He was fighting measles. So, at the time, influenza was like a seasonal thing. And it still is right now, right? So, although he was seeing spikes in influenza, he didn't really care because he was fighting another epidemic. And because of that, though, although measles was, the measles, measles case were diminishing, influenza just kept on going. And essentially went past the radar, under the radar. And that's, you know, how everything started, creating like a big bubble about to burst. So the flu appeared in American troops, American camps, who took it to France. And because the Americans and the French trained together, the French troops started to get it and started spreading through the trenches. Eventually, it spread to the British and, and eventually spread to the populace. Obviously, this wasn't just a problem for the Allies. There was also a problem with the Germans. Because through prisoners of war, probably through a British prisoner of war, a German soldier got the virus, spread to the other, to the, to his comrades. And the Germans were dealing with that. And apparently, it was one of the things that contributed to Germany's loss in their last push, particularly in the, the, their spring, their spring offense, offensive. Sorry, but what happened is right. For think about the Rockefeller Institute, they noticed the increase in influenza cases. Flu became a, a matter of national security, so the Rockefeller became a, a center for information gathering. But the disinformation was kept a secret from the public. Right. There's also a similarity here because. Obviously, governments have to keep things quiet so they can manage themselves properly, which also happened here. Not at the same scale, because we're not at war. But it's interesting, right? Right at this point, the amount of similarities that we're finding, it's curious because they're not, circum they're not similarities out of circumstance. They're similarities born out of human decisions and human habits. Yeah, there's something I want to stress here. Uh, they're very similar. They're very similar, and that that's something that I don't like, because it shows us that we were not prepared for this in any way. It's yeah. something that we knew would happen eventually, and no one took the care to prepare for it. It's like, um, so this is this is very Portugal specific, I think. It's like the wildfires here. Yeah. So we all know it's going to happen. Eventually, like they, they've happened before and they're going to happen again. And I don't see any initiative to prevent them instead of trying to deal with them as they happen. We are very reactive in that aspect. And I feel that with COVID, what's happening is in the beginning, everyone was in panic. Everyone was panicking a lot. And with, okay, with a moderate amount of reason, I don't think with that much reason, but you know, in the beginning, it's it's fine. But then the panic started to fade. And we see that with people's compliance to the rules. And how everyone is going out like COVID is something of the past. Which is 
It still isn't. Yeah, it's not new. It still isn't. At least at the time of the recording. <laughs> um, <laughs> it still isn't. So, and people are acting like, a lot of people at least, are acting like it's, it's, it's normal again. And I don't see any initiative from the World Health Organization, for example, as to organize a plan to, what if this happens again? I don't see any measures being taken by any country or organization in order to prevent this from happening again in the um, in containing the virus. You know what's what's the sad part? What? It's not the first time that this has happened. This particular thing that you were talking about, right? Yeah. Because let me see. Let let let, let me let me take a look at my notes because there's a lot of them. Um. Okay. I just, I just, I'm sorry. I just hear you like moving a lot of pages in the yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you write an entire encyclopedia for this episode? Yeah, it, <laughs> nah, just two volumes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let let let's see if any of this is familiar to you. During the influenza pandemic, at a certain point, hospitals were full and absolutely over their their normal capacity. Their workers were missing work because they 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 were sick and obviously they weren't they were they were not getting paid civic leaders refused to admit that there was a crisis and kept lying and politicians released false information for political reasons back back in the day right during in the 1920s it was because of the war the death toll kept increasing doctors were urging people to not gather in public places urging uh, civil Leaders to cancel social uh, public events, and the government and the people, the people refused to do this. So people just kept gathering, and eventually, when the, the after the war, when the the pandemic started to, you know, it fade out, there were still a few cases, but it wasn't a big problem anymore. The war ended, and people went out to celebrate, and the cases increased again. Which, you know, happened nowadays as well. Because for some reason, there's a football game or a political rally. People start gathering again like, oh, the COVID is done, right? It's not going to happen again. And the cases increase again. And it's sad, right? Because it, it feels like history is repeating itself. And that's why people study history. So that it won't repeat itself. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, I, I believe you touched on some very interesting points there. We, we take our time to learn as humans, uh, sometimes too much, a hundred years should have been enough. Hope you're enjoying this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at The Rambling Book and on Instagram at The Book of Ramblings. You can check out the second part of this episode next week.